Hey, everybody. Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have one of the two greatest, maybe the three greatest Thacker men in the central Florida area. I have no idea what I'm talking. I don't know how many <laughs> Thacker men. As soon as I launched down the road of that, uh, that you know, compliment, I was like, I'm, I'm offending wives. I'm offending cousins. I'm offending everybody here. But the Thacker family, if you listen to the show, are, are one of my all-time favorites. Greg Thacker is a friend of mine. And John Thacker, who I actually have known longer than Greg, Greg Thacker, uh, was nice enough to come by today and, and talk law, talk music, talk fatherhood talk whatever so thank you for coming by thanks for having me josh good to see you man so you came up your your offices are clearwater tarpon springs largo ish somewhere it's um it's clearwater so you know if you go across the bridge gulf to bay you just sort of head towards the water uh right before you hit the clearwater courthouse there it's like two blocks you know right there away so you just zip right there man courthouse is right there it's pretty convenient spot and you're at least second generation family law attorney uh I don't. So once you go past my dad, generation wise, it's difficult for me to tell you what everybody else did other than they were all lawyers, pretty much. You know, Uh, my grandma, uh, my dad's mother did a little bit of it. My grandfather was in practice with his father. Holy would shit, be, I yeah, didn't realize it. Dude, it's it's crazy. So you're fourth generation at least. Uh, at least, right? Wow. And that was back in like the 50s. And I was rummaging through my office. This was about a year ago, man. You won't believe this. And I found this brief stashed away. It's oh, this wow. little like, it's like eight inches by four inch, little green brief. It was all ratty looking. I was like, what is this, right? It's my grandfather and his father. It's a U.S. Supreme Court brief that they both wrote oh my god for some case in 1955 the what was case, the subject matter okay it's good uh illegal transportation of black bass okay right yeah and so black the, bass matters it, it does uh, yeah, who yeah. can argue right yeah and uh and so i read this thing and uh, this story gets even crazier man if if i can divulge here my dad my dad's father, my grandfather actually passed away in 1958 okay. when my dad was nine years old and his sisters were really young. And uh, he was a big time uh, World War II hero. He, fl- he flew like 52 missions in World War II and, and came back after the war, but then passed away later, uh, very young, 40 years of age. And my dad wrote a book about his dad last year. I've, right? I, 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 you're saying this now is reminding me of things that Greg has told me. So go ahead. Yeah. So, so the cool that ways that ties into this brief story is in the process of researching for my dad's book. We had some family members. My wife's sister, Jolene, her twin sister, was is really into like history and US history and like military history and that stuff. And she found online a recording of my grandfather arguing this case in front of the US Supreme Court Holy in 1956, that's right? Badass. So so my dad and his sisters hadn't heard their dad's voice in over 60 years. I never heard it before. Right. My brother never heard it before. Right. And so when like she found this, like, you know, that spread like wildfire through yeah. the family and everybody had to say like, you know, everyone, you got to have a seat for this, you know, listen to this, yeah. you know, it was pretty wild, man. That's you know? so, that's so cool. Did you frame the, the brief or do you have it like kept in any kind of a, 
No. It, it's somewhere at the office yeah. where it's I can like pull it out. It's like wedged open or something. It's a weird looking thing, man. It's, yeah. this, it's got this really specific like <laughs> type and size to oh, it. Oh, yeah. Back know? then it was like, you know, phosphates or slate or whatever. Yeah. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't your uh, laptop of today. That's right. So, um, you know, I, 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 I at some point, do you think you can convince your dad to come over here and do this? Oh, that's a good, uh, as long as it's not like on a Friday, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, uh, he likes I just to want have, to meet the man responsible dude, for the I, two I, of you. I, I think the chances are good. I got to, you know, th- this is going to go so well today that, you know, I'm going to yeah, play in the recording and he's going to be like, you know, I need to get a note with Josh. Dad, I need yeah. you, I need you to make the drive. Uh, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll feed you. I'll, uh imbibe you whatever whatever it is that you need for me to to, to ply you with to get you to come over the bridge i think but it'd be a good thing i got questions about what, what your sons are the choices that they're making yeah, with their life so yeah talk anyway so i'm trying to i for some i i never realize how old i am until something puts it in context and i'll give you an i'll give you an example that will lead me into an example that's more germane to you is I had Liz Jack in here. Uh, yeah. You know, she just won seat for judge over here, yeah. over there. Um, but I said, whose spot are you? Whose spot are you filling? And she said, Dane, Dane Covert. And I was like, what's he doing? She's like, he's retiring. I was like, how can he retire? He just became a judge. <laughs> right. He became a judge when I left the state attorney's office in 2005. And so that was 15 years ago. Yeah. And, but in my mind, literally, Dane's been on the bench for like, Two years. That's how it is in my mind too. In fact, I didn't even know he was retiring until he just mentioned it. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so getting that back to you, um, I think there was a long time that I didn't know that you and Greg were two different people. Uh, I think yeah. there was, I think there was a period of time because I knew you, I think you were right, either right when I left the state or just right after I left the state, but I did have reason to have interaction with you. And then at some point, I think I would run into Greg and think Greg was you. This was, this would happen. And, and then over time, I, you know, he musically, he and I would share a lot of viewpoints. And then I said something about Teen Wolf 2 that just set him down. Oh, you got to be careful. Down a rabbit yeah, hole. I've learned, I've learned my tough lesson. conversation yeah. there. Yeah. That, and, and that, that triggered us going to lunch. And then at lunch, I learned his alter ego and the whole, whole, double life that he leads yeah that then then i became a stalker you know and i was like like the first two weeks after that like i didn't leave him alone Uh like he's like dude this guy's gonna stop talking to me but anyway so when did you start at the state attorney's office okay so i started there january of 05 so we had from january to may we worked there together so that sounds right yeah and i'll tell you man it's weird the things you remember uh but i remember at some point i don't know what division i was in or whatever but i remember I would regularly get files that had your name on them, probably because like it was. Can you your, fix this? You yeah. fucked it up. Man. Well, I mean, I think it was just because like I inherited one of your spots at some point, and they had going to put Division them, A, or were you in Division E, or were you? So in, I think the, the that might have been in misdemeanor. So in misdemeanor, I uh, judge I judge Horrocks for That's, most of so the time. So you were in Division yeah. E. Yeah. So they just didn't resticker it yet. You yeah, know? yeah. I had stayed in. I, I I got sworn in by Amy. So I started Division E. Uh, under Mike Andrews, right. I got sworn in Division E, Amy Williams, and then Horrocks took over when I was up in uh, Peters in Division A. Gotcha. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So I did I did my time with uh, Judge Horrocks, and then I, a little bit of time with Judge Levine. I did North County Traffic Court for a while. Okay. And uh, in felonies, I was uh, Division B, who started with uh, Judge Baird. Until, you know, I had Judge Baird maybe six months and then Judge Day just got elected. And I had Judge Day for about the final year I was there. I left in January of 08. 
How many years was that then total? Like it, right at about three. I, I, it was exactly. Exactly. Three. That's what I did too. <laughs> yeah. mine, mine to the day was. <laughs> Me too. It was a Friday. It was so funny. I, I always tell this story. Um, I decided, uh, you know, I went up, then did you have to go up to Bernie's office? Uh, now, let me think what I did. I think I did. Yeah, I think I did do that. I, I talked to Bernie twice in three years there. Yeah. And I went up there and walked in, and you're not supposed to smoke in a government building, but it smelled like someone had been smoking cigarettes. In Very there. strange. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how that, I don't know if the paint they chose or something. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and he's, he's like, he just looked at looked at like my resignation letter and he goes, You going out on your own? I said, Yeah. He's like, ballsy move. And that was that was the, <laughs> that was the extent yeah. of that conversation. Yeah. Uh but Allison Ridenauer, who was in Division A with me, that afternoon referred me a case. Saturday morning I came had to come in for weekend advisories after packing up my desk Friday oh, afternoon. Cool. That's neat. And I was like, this is so bizarre. And I so that was in May. Dina and I were engaged to get married uh July 3rd. And I had this plan. I needed to make five thousand dollars between May 8th of 2005 <laughs> and July 3rd. And I was like, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. And that Monday I got hired on a five count L and L. Now this was in 2005, so this is before the market crash. Yeah. And at that time, of uh, lascivious or any of that, you were getting twenty five, thirty thousand dollars. Right. Uh, and so I was like, "This is the best thing ever." You know, <laughs> why did I do this right out of law school? Right. This is amazing. And so what what was funny to me is is and I've told the story before. That case, the 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 mother of the children who was the complainant had like three ex-husbands and she had accused every one of her ex-husbands of a similar thing. And so like the Monday or Tuesday after the Friday, I left the state attorney's office, I called and I was on the phone with, I think it was Mike Halkidis. And I was like, I was like, you realize that there's some credibility issues here with the complainant. And he goes, you defense counsel are all the same. I was like, (laughs) I was like, I haven't even got my last check from Bernie yet. And already I'm getting painted with that brush. Yeah, that's tough. So that's tough. Did you go right out to work with your dad or did you? Yeah, after okay. after I left the state, you was know, that always the plan? Not really, okay. man. It was it was very um, like organic and natural. It's really crazy to think about. He never pressured me or Greg to work for him, you know. And and out of law school, he said you can come. Candidly, you financially, it's probably not a smart move for him. Well, you know, I mean, right. now it probably is, but at right. least early on, you know, it's a. There's no question. I agree. Yeah. And, and it. Um, at the, at the beginning, he's like, you know, you'd be better here if you go out and you work for someone else for a while, you know, work for Bernie or work with Bob Dillinger or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, I did the prosecution clinic, you know, while I was in law school and uh, met some people at the state. And I thought, you know, this is a pretty cool place. So that was really great advice, you know. And I mean, I tell people to this day, I said, you know, do that, you know, meet people. I mean, you know how it is, man. Everybody you worked with back then is still around. They're in different roles, you know, and you still kind of see them in different contexts. I'm still you know? getting, I'm still getting sunk by Dave Tobias oh, constantly. Yeah. Oh, I, drag, just, yeah. I just had a, <laughs> I just got a juvenile case, and he just took over the juvenile division. It's yeah. like, nope, this is going up to felony. I was yeah. Like, and normally, like somebody else, I was like, can I just get get him on the phone? But Dave, I know, is like you know, a marble wall. You're just not going to yeah. convince them of anything. But. I think, I think once you're there long enough to, you, you know, kind of become that person, you know, yeah. in some way or another. Yeah. He's did you go to long. Stetson? Yep. Stetson. Okay. Yeah. Um, where'd you go to undergrad? UF undergrad. You did. Yeah. yeah. You did. Now Greg went to UCF. Greg went to UCF. You went to UF. Mm-hmm. Okay. How was that? So it, it was great. Um, I, uh, so at, at UF, 
I was um, <laughs> I was a uh, computer major. You know, primarily. You're a bright so, guy. I mean, you're you're a sharp guy, and and also I have you know we'll get to this at some point. But you you're quite a established musician, even though you don't do it publicly. Um, so it's I, very I, kind of you to say. Well, I'm just wondering. <laughs> so well, let, let's go back even further, All and right. then we'll then we'll matriculate to, yeah, to Gainesville. So um, you're a year older than Greg, sixteen months, and yep. it's just the two of you, just right? Two of us, man. Okay, so two brothers. Were you guys close as little kids? Oh yeah. Or did you pick on each other, beat each other up? Uh, not not to an abnormal degree. Okay. I mean, we we hung out, man. We played together, played video games together. All that traditional little brother, big brother. Yeah, it was good. It was good, man. And who picked up the guitar first? So, okay, good story. Um, It happened at the same time. So, was it the guitar that we that? No, no. So, so my dad's guitar. You know, we were talking earlier. My dad's got this vintage, uh, you know, '63 Jazzmaster Fender Jazzmaster that he bought for like fifty bucks when he was thirteen or something, and he's kept it his whole life. And, you know, when I was growing up, he would play this guitar. He'd play, you know, Paint It Black by the Stones all the time, you know, some Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young tunes, all that kind of stuff. So we were around it, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was this. I remember it, man. It was December of 1994. So I would have been almost 15 and Greg would have been 12, I guess. And we wanted all this junk for Christmas, you know, we asked for all this stuff. And that Christmas we got. My dad bought me a bass guitar, Ooh. you know, a, a Fender uh, a Precision bass. bass. Yeah. Yep, blue. Still have it. You do? Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. It's uh, it's uh, and and he bought Greg a uh, Fender. It was a 40th anniversary Stratocaster. So I guess it was a I don't know 40th anniversary in 1994. Was it red or white? Red. Yep. And it was made in USA. I mean, beautiful. It's still my primary guitar. So that was kind of his, mm-hmm. but we like shared. You know what I mean? It yeah, was yeah. like. Oh, I'm playing. I happened to like pick up the bass. Like I remember, man. Like Longview by Green Day just oh, came out. Green Day is a, is a is a seminal work in the right. backer. Uh, no question. Yeah. Right. Music. Music. Uh, Exodus. Yeah. Really, really bass prominent song yeah. too. So I was like, well, I'm going to start by learning this song. You yeah. know. So I pulled out my new bass and and but I'm doing doing. You know. And I, yeah. I was like, I figured it out. You know. I called Greg. Hey, man, listen to this. You know. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, um, and it just went from there, man. And Greg was, uh, I wasn't really, um, that interested in music until I got the, that guitar, you know, I mean, you, you know, about my proclivities, you know, before like Greg talked about some of the strange stuff that I used to listen to when I was really young, but you know, when I got my guitar, I started to really now, listen I, to, is it John? Yeah. John Cicada, Cicada man. Like I don't, I don't, record. I don't fault you for that. Hey, you know, listen, man, if you go back today, you know, and your listeners, you know, you go back and you, you check out the old Cicada hits from He's the He's got 89. some golden pipes on him. Dude, the pipes. Oh my God. Like I'm a huge, else. and I don't know that they're, they're, you can equate them to each other, but I'm a huge Sade fan. Oh yeah. I had my Sade shirt on the other day and my, my, my buddy, Andrew, who's like a local death metal icon, he and I can talk ad nauseum about Sade. So sure, sure. I, I, I have no judgment on my end about yeah. it. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, yeah. So I digress. That's, that's where I got into rock and roll, man. And I, I got really into like, you know, back in 94 is, you know, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, all that kind of stuff. He said you kind of trended a little bit more grungy metal than he yes, did. Yes, no question. He was more pop punk 
kind of whatever, and you're a little bit harder edged. I was. That's fair to say. I agree with that. And uh, I mellowed out more in my old age. Did you have long I, hair? It, it, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd like. Oh, I wonder what the most. Uh, you know what the what the craziest version of you was like. Boy, that's a good question. I don't even know if I know the answer to that. Yeah. I, I mean, I started a band. You know, in high school, right? And and I went to high school in South St. Pete at Lakewood High. You went to Lakewood. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys ever live on this? No. Side? No. I went was to the cat. Program? Program? Yes. Okay, yeah. But but my band was with two guys. <laughs> I think they both started in the magnet program, but then, you know, quote unquote, transitioned into the normal yeah, school. You know, general population. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, both great guys, you know, but, but uh, two of those guys. And I knew a drummer um, who lived close to me in Clearwater where I lived. Right. And we started this band and we were only 15. What was the name? Madcap. Oh, I like and it. yeah, that was that was the band that and could go that could go that could play in a number of different genres. It, 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 some of the ideas I had back then, like I can't come close to that level of creativity yeah. now. It's really weird. But you got Mad Season, which is gr- grunge. You got yeah. Mad Ball, which is hardcore. Yeah, there's probably other ones I'm, I'm missing. Go ahead. We we would play out all the time, like originals a, or covers of originals. Okay, and we it was it was sort of like you know grunge sound and stuff but we we played at places man we played at state theater we played we at, play at fun junction pizza oh yeah it's one that of the was, first gigs we played with greg's band there did you really yeah the simple tips. that was where yeah. we, i would go to see all the local punk bands was in that back room at fun junction buddy when when greg's band and my band played there it was probably late 95 the place was so crowded oh, yeah. that that everybody like filtered out the back door and was hanging out. You know, there oh, yeah. were a hundred people outside. I mean, you as a kid, a fifteen year old kid, I mean, all of our songs were well, I shouldn't say I don't think I've ever discussed Fun Junction yeah. in the musical context yeah. until this very moment. Yeah. I don't even think that I remembered it until this just came up. Anyway. I, I remember it as Junction Pizza. That's Junction what people Pizza. used to call yeah, it yeah. because I didn't live in St. Pete, but we played there all the time. And uh uh Dude, I mean, there's nothing better. All your friends go, you know, everybody's having fun. You're playing your music. You feel like a rock star, yeah. you know, and that's as close to. <laughs> so I went to St. Pete High for my first two years yeah. and I went to Northeast High for my second two years. And St. Pete High, uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like this is true with the IB program at St. Pete High. There was a lot of wealthy white kids who played really well at oh, music there. Okay. So there was a lot of bands there uh dr clemowes who i've had on the show here uh he he's played in the hip abduction and danfield and all these bands locally he's yeah. a world-class paddleboarder allergist wow. harvard graduate yeah just i i you know just feel like a waste of space next to him <laughs> but then there was another guy i want to say his name was hunter thompson not hunter thompson hunter hunter herring hunter he was in he was in a band down by law that was actually on epitaph wow um yeah he went there and so anyways that was a thing at st pete high is we'd all go watch the bands at junction yeah. pizza and it was it was routinely a who's who of st pete high students who were who were playing that's there cool, so man. yeah that's cool i don't I, even think that's there anymore but i, I think it closed somewhat recently yeah. i think maybe in the past five or ten years it closed there was a place called the refuge on ninth um on martin luther king and that's not there anymore either but that was really like the place that uh, and, and State Theater. We had a show at the State Theater that, you know. That's pretty badass. was amazing. Yeah. I've seen some pretty rad shows at oh, the State yeah. Theater. I saw 
I saw uh, the the last tour of Dillinger Escape Plan. I saw them at oh, State man. Theater. Amazing. First time I saw Mastodon was at State wow. Theater. Uh, the Bravery, who kind of artistically you can have a discussion on, but that first album was pretty awesome. Saw wow. them there. Cool. Yeah. Now it's called like the Florida Cigar. Have you been in there since they did? I that? haven't. I know they're trying to trying to sell it as yeah. it's still cool, but it's not getting a lot of good press that sucks you know i saw the most recent concert i went to was when Wolfface opened for andrew wk there oh that's right i've heard about and that that was a hot show man i it was bet amazing he dj'd who did i see that he dj'd for he dj'd was it i heard this but i can't it's not coming to my mind either it might have been the show no it might have been. It was either a comedy show that he was the he DJed for or something. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's he's interesting. I, yeah. I dig him. It was a, he was an amazing concert. About a year before that, I saw uh, Frank Black. Well, that was probably about five years before that. I saw Frank Black and the Catholics before the Pixies got back together. Frank Black's brother lives in St. Pete, and we represented him. Yeah, Greg told me that. Yes, I was on a boat. My mind about exploded, yes, man. Yes, yes, crazy. yes. I've represented members of members or relationships to members of Cheap Trick, yeah. the Pixies, Morbid Angel, yeah. uh, and I think some other ones that I'm not thinking of. The, was it the same brother who at least at some point had a bar in Boston that was totally that like devoted to the Pixies? I mean, the Pixies for me are one of your big ones. Yeah, top yeah. tier for sure. Well, we'll get we'll yeah. we'll, we'll talk music specifically yeah. as as we get through this. Cool. So, anyways, high school band yeah. Madcap was that the only band? Was there bands after that? Bands after man, I went to UF and um, UF's got such an amazing. Music scene there, you know, that I wasn't even really ever aware of until somewhat recently. I think, I think now it is. So when I when I went there first, right? Uh, Have I you was read really, that book on the the Gainesville punk scene. I don't think so. No, I'll give it. Yeah, to you. yeah. Maybe I know some of those guys. You know, you the do, guy like Greg does. I used to like hang out all the time with the that guy Roger from Less Than Jake. Oh, sure, right? yeah, yeah, really nice guy. I saw like them we at would, Janice a bunch. Of yeah, time, really nice guy. They were really big back in the mid nineties. You know, when I was there, and but what I remember when I went to Gainesville, in terms of the music, most people were into like. Dave Matthews, uh, that type of stuff. There was a really, there was a band called Big Sky yeah. back then that like everybody talked about. Uh-huh. And um, I remember going to uh, the Alatro Music Harvest one year where they played. And I was like, I mean, you know, God bless them. They had their own thing going, but it same, sounded like Dave Matthews to me. And yeah. I was like, I was like, you know, where's the, the, I, I don't know, you know, I'd come from, you know, doing kind of it, the edgier thing down here. And what I ended up doing myself musically is like I just like met up with these friends who were in this really bad sort of like new metal-ish type yeah, of band. Yeah. And I ended up – I liked these guys and they needed like a bass player. Sure. And like I hung out with them. I was part of that band for maybe like nine months and it was fun. But but after that, I got in with these guys who were in a cover – who like had a really good cover band where every weekend they'd go to like Chiefland or go to like Trenton. Oh, yeah. And play these bars, like these biker bars. Covers like what covers? Like whatever, man. What people wanted to like drink beer and dance hear, to. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. Tom Petty or like, you know, yeah. whatever. And they'd play like every Saturday, every Friday and Saturday, I would do this. And it'd be like from like 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. On bass or guitar? Bass. Okay. But, but 
I'd make like $300 in cash every night. You know what I mean? And, and this was in college, in college. Right. And, and I had, I was fortunate enough to have like the, you know, bright, bright futures scholarship. So I'm like, man, this is just like play money for me and I'll, I'll do the rocket at night and whatever. So I did that for most of college, you know, and it, and it was fun. I mean, you know, I got tired of it after a while playing the same songs over and over, but like I did it for a while. It was cool. And uh, in law school, I was in a band for a while, and and it all kind of ended for me when uh, my daughter was born. You know right. what I mean? No, and- I, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can. <laughs> I'll show you pictures of me before kids and after kids. Right. I didn't have a gray on my head. Yeah. I was probably about eighty pounds lighter. Right. I was, yeah. No, yeah. I, I hear you. So, so, and you have two or two. Three? Yeah, two. Okay. yeah. Um. So now, was Stetson your only choice, or did did you kind of? Um. Is that where your dad went, or where did he go? Uh, yeah, he did go to Stetson. And so it wasn't my only choice. You know, when I graduated college, I took, um, a semester off before I did anything. What I did, my folks have about a hundred acres in North Florida. I know it very well. I I keep getting offers to someday well, go there when it's not you know full of bugs and yeah. hot and well degrees. and also there's disease and all this other yeah. shit that we're dealing with well the yeah. good the good news about being up there is you'll be in a house and the next closest house is like three miles away oh. you know what i mean yeah, <laughs> so yeah. as long as the people you're with are okay it's it's all good but you show me the drone videos that he does out there yeah, it's, it's pretty rad it, and i you know so i lived up there by myself for, and i it, I just need oh, you lived break. up there during that yeah. time. Yeah, during the during so you're like Thoreau for sort a year. of. It was like that. Yeah, I'd have to like come out in the morning. I worked at like a call center for Dell computers, like answering phones. Like just have a job uh-huh. and do something. But like, I had a little studio set up there where I'd like make my own songs, record my own music, like at night or Does whatever. Does that exist somewhere? Um, the pieces do. You know, it's been broken down and shifted around. I'll need to, oh, need to figure out if you can we transfer me some files. Yeah, it's – it's well, you know, back then, that it was like the technology for recording back then versus like where it is today. Sure. Ridiculous. You know yeah. what I mean? I had an old computer that was, you know, long obsolete, but – I go out there. I live by myself there. I don't really know why I did it other than like back then I didn't have a whole lot of direction. You know, I I realized my senior year of college that like, listen, you know, like I play a lot of video games. I've been into computers my whole life. I don't want to do it as my career and just be staring at a screen all the time. You know, I want to do something where I want to interact with people. Uh And so that's I might as well go to law school One because my parents or anyone's you need to do this. So I was like, okay, I'll apply to some law schools and like something happened. Where I didn't get my application into UF by the deadline. I mean, that's where my headspace was back right, then. So right. I was like, well, I guess I'll do Stetson. I'm glad right. I did. You know what I mean? Were you and Greg ever there at the same time? Yes. So, so, but Greg started Stetson at, in the um, night program, right? Oh, really? Yeah. The okay. one right, right by here. And uh, the way that works is, you know, you do a year in the night program and then you can transition into right. the regular. And that's right. what he did. And when he did that, we lived together for a while with um with uh his now wife Lauren, you know, the three of us lived together in Gulfport. Oh wow. While I was like finishing. That must have been fun. It was cool. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back though to this this time in the yeah. the cabin. Yeah. You were there by yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Was that was that a good time in your oh, life? Yeah. Was that a dark time in your life? Did you, you yeah. do well on your own or did you drive yourself nuts? Were you sending mail bombs to people? What was what was your So I'm fundamentally, man, I'm a pretty introverted guy. You yeah. know what I mean? And I don't mean that like selfish, but like I, I'm perfectly happy being by myself, alone to my own thoughts, you know, making things happen, you know? And so like I loved it. 
there's, there's people, there's people, how could you do that? You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm the same way. And I wonder if it's for the same reason is I have figured out that by nature of being an only child, by nature of having parents that were pretty much a lot older than my friend's parents and having parents that suffered with depression and drinking, that being uh, uh, exposed to that at a young age made me highly, highly empathetic. And I've often used the analogy when talking with people or therapists that when I'm around a group of people it's like 20 tvs are on at one time yeah and i'm hearing all of it and i'm having trouble processing any of it so for me to relax as being away from people because i cannot help but internalize or soak up their craziness so that's why for me it's it's not that i don't like people or whatever it's just that i literally can't be around a lot of them and not somehow internalize it and have it kind of you know harsh me in some ways. No so question. I'm is, that, is that similar to what your situation is? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the way that manifests itself to me in daily life today, you know, I do what you do, man. You know, I'm talking to people all day long. You know what I mean? And and I'm happy to do it. And I'm not like, you know, feeling depressed or or anxious when I do it. But I know and my body's like in my mind is trained this way that like when the day's over, Turn off. I can't have it anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? And and, and it's uh, hard because you come home and your wife's got questions right. and your kids want to talk about this other stuff. And, yeah. you know, all the time my wife's like, I told I told you that I, I we already talked about this. I was like, did you talk about it to me within the first hour I got home from yeah. the office? Because right. if you did, I can right. tell you I retained none of it. Not because yeah. I disrespect her or because right. I'm not listening. <laughs> but literally, there's an hour no plus or minus when I get home where. I'm, it's almost like PTSD. Yeah. You know, people say, how was your day? I was like, I can't even tell you what happened today. I don't remember what path I drove home. I don't, you know, I, it's, something happens where it's just Absolutely. locked out of my mind. It's, <laughs> so. it's really great, man. I'm very lucky because, you know, my wife, um, you should ask me how my day was, you know, and I'll tell her, uh, but she never, she knows like, you Give know, some space. right. And, and, and a lot of times like, uh, when I feel, you know, want to talk to her about something that happened or whatever, you know, I like, I'll bring it up. And, like, she's always great. She's always super engaging and she's interested, but she never like, um, you know, like pushes on, on, there's so much stuff, man. You know how it is that happens in a given day, you know, doing family law, that sort of stuff. Like you could tell stories about it for the rest of the day when you go home, but, um, she's been great. And, you know, I do love being with my kids and like, you know, when you're, my kids are nine and seven, so they're still pretty young. So like making the shift to like communicate on their level is, is, is a good thing. It's kind of a stress reliever thing. All they want to do is like play, play and, and yeah. play video games with me or like, you know, run around and go right. on a bike ride or whatever, right. or, or, or come up with crazy ideas, you know, right. and that's a good change of pace. Is it two girls? Uh, my, my, I have a son and a daughter. My, okay. my daughter Piper is nine and my son Noah is seven. Are they close with Greg's kids? Do they, oh, they yeah. hang out? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I know you guys just had kind of some family, family trips that you guys just went on that looked pretty yeah, awesome. We just went to the keys together, you know, and, uh, did all that stuff. They were somewhere, they went, they went to like North Carolina and then followed by the keys. And yeah. then didn't you do, you did two other things back to back or so am I misremembering? It was kind of crazy that, you know, obviously this year was kind of up in the air. We, we originally were going to do a big family trip to Europe, you know, for like That's two right. and a half weeks or something like yeah. that. And, and of course that got canceled. So what Greg did 
is he was like, well, I'm going to keep my two and a half weeks. I'm going to like squeeze something in, you know, before we do the key sure, trip yeah. as a family. So he went and saw our, our cousin up there, hung out and that looked great. But I was like, well, you know, I'll stay here and work and, yeah. you know, we'll just make a week out of it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but we do things all the time together, man. We go to the the place up north and and my folks have also have a place on the Homosassa River. You know, we'll go up there, go fishing, that's do awesome. the scalloping, that's, that's awesome. stuff. Yeah. Now, um, your time at the state, do you look back on that? I mean, obviously you described it as good training, but was that a, a bright spot in your career? Or do oh, you yeah. So, yeah. so my, my experience there is a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, you might know that I'm somewhat of a liberal person. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and, and, yeah. at that, and at that office, I felt like the odd man out, you oh, know, yeah. a, a lot of times. And so I enjoyed it. I, I loved having, doing trials. That was great. But I, I had trouble making strong relationships with some of the people there. Right. You know, luckily right. my, my now wife, uh, my girlfriend at the time, you know, we kind of took up most of each other's time there, but, uh, you know, definitely it was fun from the trial, but I never got to do a murder. I got real close there at the end, but as you know, I don't know if you got to do any, but usually what ends up happening is right towards the end of your three year mark, you start getting them. Yeah. And I think that's how they suck you in. I think, I think like, they're like, hey, you want to jump on a murder trial knowing that it's going to be like four years right. of it's going to get continued and <laughs> right. these depositions and all of a sudden right. you're there at seven years and you're right. unemployable by anybody because yeah. you make too much money to get hired on somewhere, but not enough to yeah. pay your bills. And yeah. You're kind of, you know, I always look at like Tobiasen or Rosenwasser or some of these other people who have turned it into a career. I'm like, you're a better man than I. Yeah. I, just couldn't, I couldn't do that forever. I feel I feel the same way. You know, I'm. The, the, for me, like what makes it what made it great in retrospect is, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that 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 sort of attitude, you know, definitely came down on high at the office. And that was kind of the mentality of the office. But the cool thing for me was like there were so many other people who are my age who are in the same spot in life that I was. Were you married you know? at that point? No. no. Well, no, no, no. Let me think. Hold on. I got to think. Yes. So, yes, don't I was. Get this wrong. Don't get I this was. wrong. Don't get this yeah, wrong. Yeah, this is bad. We'll edit this out. So yeah. I was I was married in November of 05, okay. right? So I just oh, so I got been married. There. You got married the same year I did. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So you got an anniversary coming Dude, up. Dude, big one. 15th. Big, big All anniversary. Right. All yeah. right. Got to put some thought into that. Get her like a bedazzled face mask and like cook out in the backyard that's, that's <laughs> like the best thing that you can do for <laughs> let me take some notes here yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, i gotta figure something out man i'm just really I, here, bad let me let me give you let me give you uh i don't know what you have near you i think you have the safety harbor spa near you oh, but yeah. my, my wife loves spa jardin over here on gandy oh. and i get her like a full day deal it's like i'll take the kids you go and that i, I don't know your wife but that Tends to make me oh, oh I've I've there have been many times uh where I've said, Listen, you've had a rough week. I'm gonna take the kids and hit the road. Yeah. And there's no there's no well, where are you going? Yeah, push back. What time are you yeah. gonna get back? Yeah. I'll see you later. Yeah. You know, it's good. <laughs> yeah. And I like having a little time. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I can I can pitch it to the kids like, hey, it's a dad party weekend, you know. And right. like, yeah, you know, and we'll go and drive up to the farmhouse, cook some steaks or whatever it is. Right. It's good. So married 2005. Yeah. So that means that you were married pretty much the entirety of your time at the state. Yeah. And then when yeah. you came out and worked at your dad, did Greg stay back a little bit long? Had he, did you guys overlap at all at the state? Yeah. He started there in middle of 06. So he was like transitioning into felonies, uh -huh. like right around the time I was leaving. Okay. So he did his three years too. Okay. And uh, he came into work with my dad uh, about a year and a half. So he's always been, I guess, about a year and a half behind me. Yeah. Career wise, how yeah. was that working with your dad and your brother? Great, yeah. I mean, the, the Greg. Uh, I mean, you know, we're a close family. There's never, we've never had, 
you know, office drama like you sometimes hear. It just doesn't work for some people, you know. Do you guys and, all work on the same cases or did you guys each do your own cases? Both, or yeah. Both. So the way it worked is the Greg and I would have a ton of cases that that dad didn't even know about and mm-hmm. wouldn't have any involvement in, but but he would have some cases where like Oh, I'm working this case with Greg or I'm working this case with John. And there was never any like meetings where we'd go in and divvy things up. It just worked out, you know, right, based you upon a shorthand of yeah, vocabulary. With that's right. It, yeah. Now, I never had a case with your dad. I do remember I had one with you because I remember mediating it with Courtney Bowes. Yeah, uh, I remember I, that case. I, yeah. I have vague recollection of it. I never had a case with your dad, but I hear he's a hard ass. <laughs> that's what I'm told. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's funny because I, I guess I guess I can get glimpses of you and Greg having that gear, but that's not the the world you occupy generally. So um, that's why I'm interested to kind of meet him and get, get to know him because, you know, there's this kind of Pinellas County family law royalty, uh, especially North Pinellas. You kind of hear about, you, we mentioned Kai Koch earlier, and there's some of these sure. other people that have just been around forever up there. And, and somehow that was your dad, but I just never, cross paths with him but yeah, uh, in yeah. any event where's he at now i mean is he is he thinking at all about slowing down about retiring or is he gonna do is he gonna do it till the wheels come off i i don't think that's the case but right now i don't think i, I think he's pretty happy you yeah. know doing what he's doing yeah. and uh i think that uh he's uh good with it for until something better comes along i mean he my dad i you know my mom, me and my brother kind of know him better than he knows himself in yeah. certain ways. And and it's like, and I told him just the other day, I was like, well, you got to make sure you do something that stimulates your mind. I mean, he's not the type of guy who can just, oh, I'll just go fishing every yeah, day. Yeah, you can't close up shop. That's, or, that's the, that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. And even if it's not like, you know, practicing law or doing family law or whatever it is, like uh, I, he's just the type, he'll, he'll drive my mom crazy if he's just sitting around the house all day, you know? So, so doing something at his pace is, uh, you know, he's earned the right to do whatever What's the heck he, he wants. Now? Well, I mean, you know, uh, he goes up. Um, Does he play still or no? Not really yeah. that much. I mean, he still, you know, listens to music a lot, but he's mostly into like, you know, going fishing. You know, I said they had the place in Homosassa. They're up there just about every weekend this time of year. Right. And there's all kinds of grass flats up there. You can go fishing for redfish and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And that's, yeah. uh, uh, and, you know, they have friends come and visit. Um and I hear your mom's a blast. Yeah, she's Greg. She's, Greg, type, is it is it watching football? Oh or yeah, something like she 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 loses it. Man, she loves to. <laughs> she has the most bizarre cheers for whatever the sport. Is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She'll just start screaming. At so she she's been watching Bucks games since like the seventies, okay, man. Yeah. And and like and she's just kind of become this creature when she watches these games. Where like you know she's got you know her little you know dip put out for everybody to eat. You yeah. know everybody's got their drinks, and man, she just loses it. That's awesome. You know, she gets into it, man. That's awesome. You know? So, uh, two little girls. Does your wife, is she working or is she? She stayed home mom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I met her. We met at International Mall That's right. one day. Yeah. You guys were knocking around there. So, uh, music. Let's talk music Let's a little it. bit. So, sure. Pixies. Pixies is a big one for you. Yeah. Can you kind of walk? I usually find that for, at least for my friends, it starts somewhere around seventh grade. I don't know why, but around seventh grade, you start to become familiar with the music. It might have been a little bit earlier. And for me, rap like really became big around that time. Yeah. Because I remember there was Rob Bass, Public Enemy came out, and then it was Two Live Crew. Like all that was right at that time when I was in seventh grade. So I remember 
most of my friends at school had all these tapes with these covers on them that you're like, oh my, they're almost like porno magazines. Yeah. And I, I was, I, I liked Public Enemy. I liked Rob Bass, but I wasn't huge into rap. They had Run DMC and that was around the time of Aerosmith. But seventh, eighth grade for me was Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. Uh, uh, and justice for all. Yeah. Um, and then freshman high school was Pearl Jam, Nirvana. Yeah. Uh, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers kind of overlapped in that whole time frame. Right. So tell me about your kind of entry point. All right. So so when I first started around the time that I got my first guitar, you know, that's why I started listening to this stuff mostly. And, you know, that was kind of the height of the grunge era, you know, but that did lead me to like heavy metal. How old are you so right now? I'm uh, 41. Okay. So it, Injustice for All is probably my favorite metal record of all time. I mean, I think it's pretty much unbeatable, you know. I got real interesting in- as a bass player that your that's your favorite <laughs> record of all time since it's it's widely uh, right. criticized as as you know either not having bass on it, it or no audible bass it, on it, it. It pretty much has no audible bass on it. The the thing that appealed to me about it is um there, there was a, a definitely a high level of like technical. Uh, um, I've only recently heard heard it referred to as prog thrash, oh. and it's <laughs> and it's a great description. Right. I had never thought of it in such terms yeah. before, but I mean, you were getting eight, nine, ten minute long songs, yeah, with <laughs> multiple time signatures and changes and and stuff that was crazy just to be crazy, and that really appealed to me, uh, you know, and uh, the energy level of it was just. Really, really high. So I got into metal and like I got into Metallica and and, and stuff like that. Um, and even like some, you know, I'd listen to like some heavier stuff than that from time to time. Tell, talk to me about heavier stuff. Like, I don't want to put you on the spot. No, but. no. I love talking about this stuff, man. Like, like my probably my favorite heavy metal band is Pantera. Okay. Like, like some of the records they cut to me, like, you know, Far Beyond Driven is just like. It's so heavy. Broken. It, I, that song, oh that God. song, that's like a, yeah. if I go to the gym, if I'm going for a run, if right. I, you know, getting pumped up for a trial yeah. or whatever, that, that's that. And I'm not a huge Pantera fan. Yeah. Their, their talents musically are undeniable. Right. Um, but that, that was my favorite album. They had the Black Sabbath cover on there. Right. Um, exactly. Planet Caravan. And they yeah. had, yeah. So, uh, and now I've heard them recently, and this is another phrase that I didn't know at the time, but, called groove metal yeah and they would they would put sepultura in this yes uh in this category pantera and uh so anyway i was listening i was listening to a lot of sepultura back then like chaos ad and oh, yeah. uh and uh roots came out back then and those were great i listened to a lot of other stuff too though man i was into like you know radiohead has always been one of my favorite bands ever since okay computer came out did you, you know? work with chris clemowish at all uh, I don't think so. Because he so. might have been after you, but he's actually Pat, the guy I mentioned earlier, his brother. He was a prosecutor over there oh, in Pinellas okay. County, and he's a huge metalhead. I yeah. saw him at the Slayer farewell tour. I was just wondering if you guys wow. knew Wow. No, I don't think so. But, uh, okay, so Sepultura, Pantera. Yeah. Um, what else? So, you know, so that was kind of like what I was listening to in terms of heavy music. Sure. I've always liked the Beatles, classic rock, man. I listened to a lot of that stuff. And then, like, like I said, like Radiohead and like a lot of stuff that spun off. Not from Radiohead, like, you know. Um, What's your favorite Radiohead album? Uh, It'll tell me everything I need to know about you. All right. Uh, today, I'd probably have to say uh, In Rainbows. Okay. Right? With Kid A probably being a very close second. Those two are probably interchangeable for me. I think Kid A is more esoteric than In Rainbows. I think In Rainbows is probably the best representation of all 
the different phases that they've had yeah. in one album. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you that their last work, and I just posted something about this the other day. I, I, I Normally, stress does not bother me. Like, I can sleep. doesn't matter how life is going. I can sleep. But lately, for whatever reason, I've not been sleeping. And for some reason, uh, Moonshape moonshape pool yeah came on and i started listening to it and it's a very dreary record but i was like this is like the perfect soundtrack for 2020 this album it's just yeah dark and foreboding and i mean all their albums are but this one specifically i was like wow this one's kind of ahead of its time and then i started to think i was like you know what every one of their albums is ahead of their time (laughs) it it doesn't hit or resonate with people until years later i I, I mean as much as it resonates originally it usually ages well it it takes you you a long time to really wrap your head around their records you know you and and i the, the worst the best example of that is the album before Moonshape Pools. Now I'm uh, the King of, King Limbs, of Limbs, right? Yeah. I bounced off that album, man. I got it when it came out, and I was like, eh, you know, I don't it's know. Got two great tracks on there, right? Though. But but these days I listen to it regularly, oh, and, I'm, sure. and I think yeah, some good good poppy songs sure, on here, you know. Sure. I like well, Lotus it a lot. Flower, and then there's yeah. the other one that's uh, it's real slow. Um, it was in the soundtrack to a movie. I. Uh, yeah, I like most just about anyway, every track on yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, and there's a the last song is a song called Separator, which is uh, it's just like a really simple. It's, it's, it, you know, the best uh, music really, right, is uh, in most good things, I guess, are, are simple. You know Beatles, what I mean? Beatles. Right. Yeah. I right. Mean. And so when Radiohead, who has all the talent in the universe, can yeah. like get together and like write like, you know, a three minute, like very simple pop song. I just love that, man. Yeah, yeah. I love them being able to like, you know, bring it in and yeah. focus on something that's really yeah. straightforward. Yeah. You know, yeah. even even given their history of experimentation. So Pixies, yeah. when do they enter the picture for you? All right. Probably college. So, you know, I told you I was in like I the mean, grunge. they're 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 the seminal college band. It, the way it happened with me, and I don't remember any specific moment or anything, but I was I was I I, I was loving all these bands that they had inspired, right? Yeah. You know, and I never put together that well, it all really came from the Pixies, you know. And um, I started listening to them, and uh, you know, a lot of their stuff's like really lo-fi, so it's kind of hard to like you know, like Surferosa is a pretty lo-fi sounding record. I mean, everybody yeah. loves how it sounds, but. But if you're jumping into it, like having, you know, grown up listening to more curated or more processed stuff, it's easy to like not understand it right did away. Did Albini ever produce a Pixies album? That's, that's the one he did produce. Okay. So that's the one that, that you know, he talks about. It. He's interviewed these days. He's like, yeah, I think his quote about that album was, yeah, I thought they were a mildly interesting college band. You know, yeah. so he like downplays it. Well, my favorite is that he did, uh, what was it? Jawbox thinking it was Jawbreaker or vice versa. <laughs> right. He's like, I thought it was the other band. I didn't realize it. <laughs> the the uh, I love. I can watch interviews with him all day. But you know, you know the, the birthday story for Greg, right? Uh, that Lauren was trying to get him. Studio oh yeah, to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've talked with him about that. Yeah. You know, and, and he's like, he's like, I don't, I don't know if that would really work because we got to move all our stuff up there. And I don't know. You know, he's got these funny like attitude yeah. about it. But yeah. it, it'd probably be pretty cool. I'd love for him to do that. It'd be amazing. And I love, I love like In Utero is my favorite Nirvana album. Sure. He produced that, and like, and I love the sound of that. But the way it happened with the Pixies was like I was watching like YouTube videos or something, or maybe it was videos before YouTube, and like. I never saw these, what, what the band looked like, you know, and like, you know, Frank Black, Black, Black Francis, you know, back then he was like, you know, a slight, mildly overweight, uh, uh, balding dude wearing flannel shirts, you know, but he'd go onto these, 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 he'd play these concerts in the UK 
where 2,000 people would just be losing their minds. And this guy was singing songs that, that, are, that are literally about just like abstract yeah. nonsense. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. what is this guy on to here, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, and the bottom line is like I, I, what really appealed to me about them was like this guy has like, you know, major cojones just to like write these crazy songs and just put it all out there. He's not wearing makeup or doing anything ridiculous. He doesn't even banner with a crowd. Right. He just goes out there and rocks it. And I love that, you know, and then, and then you start listening to the songs and you realize these are great pop songs. This guy knows how to write a great tune. He writes great hooks. His, his vocals, he's got this register that's kind of singular right. out there. Yeah. Um, is it Kim? Kim deals yeah. the bass player. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all the musicians in that band are pretty on top of it, Yeah. but there's this, I know there's literature out there on it if i ever find myself in retirement or winning the lottery or whatever i have these little subject matters that i I would like to go out and study but there's a book that i don't think i have it in here that david byrne wrote but it's almost on what music does to the brain and what rhythms do and what tones do and what notes do and what time signatures do and what's appealing and what's not appealing and what triggers aggressive behavior and what releases dopamine and all this stuff. And I think there's, I'm saying this as though it's not been studied and I'm sure it's been studied endlessly with tons of literature on it. But so from my, you know, amateur take on it i would just love to know like some of these people just stumble upon this ability to speak this language innately that they weren't taught per se they just can push a button and frank black is one of these people because as far as a volume of music that he's had i mean just prolific you know i mean it's like a bruce springsteen of the or whatever whoever you want to compare him to and you know, different albums may have more, you know, uh, merit than others. You know, some may be kind of uh, he just needed to get this out of a system type deal. But yeah. almost without fail on any of them, there is a, a skeleton or a structure there that is a mass, a masterful understanding of music structure. And song I, I totally. Absolutely. And so he just has this way to do it. You know, I, I don't know what that is like. Uh, I have, I have like guitar tones that I love. I have certain types of music that I love and I have this conversation with Greg a lot, but like, uh, do you know who Josh Homme is for Queen yes, of the Stone Age yes. and Caius and all this other yeah. stuff? He, he will play scales and intentionally either leave notes out of it or he'll play the wrong note in a scale. He plays a lot of minor, you know, minor chords and stuff. And, um, he there's an interview where he talks about it where he's he's saying it's his bad attempt at playing cabaret on a guitar <laughs> but when you listen to it his solos in these i just love them it yeah. always just gets me i love it i love uh john prushanti uh One of my chili peppers absolutely his tone especially on blood sugar sex oh, magic man. that song specifically the end of that song yes. where it's like this spiraling circular outro of that song that he plays that's been forever the golden ring for me of what I want to learn to play on guitar. I, I like um, uh, Sir Psycho Sexy. Yeah, yeah. Sir Psycho Sexy. That's, what, that's, what, yeah, I'm talking about. that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Not Blood Sugars. It's it's yeah. it's one of those magical. Uh, uh, it's like three minutes long, but it's like it, that. That's going to be like playing on loop in my brain probably for the rest of my yes, life. Yes, yeah, yes. It's one. Can of you play things. that? Yeah, I can't play that. I want to be. I, able to I play can't that play that. it as well as he can. Well, I sure. can show you the bones to it. You know right, what I mean? Right. But he's got the ability. Um, he's so dexterous on the guitar. Like he can 
take something very simple, but add like these flourishes to it that, that you know, where that really makes you like just a little hammer that here and there or whatever, you but know, the dexterity in your fingers and your wrists to be able to pull it off as quickly as he does. Nobody can do it like him. Well, and the other thing that he does, which I think is pretty cool is I think this came up on scar tissue, but one of, one of the, everybody would try and play it and they're like, it just doesn't sound right. And they figured out that he was not tuned when he oh. played it. So if you are actually tuned appropriately trying to play that song it doesn't sound yeah. right and it wasn't like a drop d or, or some kind of alternative tuning it was literally out of tune when he was playing it yeah. and i think it was by design but yeah. people have figured out how to fuck up the tuning on their guitar to get it to sound like yeah, that song and crazy I, crazy I just love i just love stuff like that and i th there's another kind of separate separate part of this discussion with drums um I've really, I don't play them at all, but I've started within the past year really following a lot of drummers and listening to different people that I like. And I like a lot of hard and heavy music, but one of my favorites is Dale Crover from the Melvins. Who, oh, yeah. He was on the first album, Nirvana. Yes. And, yeah. And uh, just stuff that you wouldn't even think of as far as like how far apart your drum heads are, um, how high your seat is in comparison to your kit, where your cymbals are placed, the angle that they're at, the, the weight of the sticks that you're using, just all this stuff and, you know, stretching and breathing, like how important breathing is to drumming. And I just love that yeah. all these like intangibles that go into yes. music sounding away. Cause like most, most of us who play at our best can get to a point where, okay, we can play these songs, but they're taking it to that next, yeah. adding something into it. I that, love that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's big for me. Yeah, Greg's band, they have, I mean, Dan, their drummer, is an amazing drummer. You know, I tell Greg, you're so lucky to have him as your drummer. They give him, you so, much, they give him so much shit. I know, I know, yeah. yeah. It, it's not, if he's listening, you don't deserve it, Dan. You're great. Oh, you've got him. an ally. Finally, yeah. the tide is turning. Hey, man, you know. So I went and, when I was telling you earlier, when they did their, uh, their, uh, what is it called? Death, not liquid death, mountain water. Oh, right. When they're doing their jingle, I got to go out to the studio and watch them record it. And I've never been in studio to watch a band record anything more. So I was like a little kid in a candy store. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like way older than these guys are and stuff. And I'm just, you know, I like, I brought them pizza. I was like, hey guys, thanks for letting <laughs> me hang out. And they're doing their thing and like whisper, who's this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> so I was driving over and I was like, can I bring you any food? And He's like, no, don't worry about it. And then like 10 minutes later, he's like, actually, they're hungry. I was yeah. like, flippy U-turn went and bought this huge pizza <laughs> and brought these two liters. And I was like, uh, anyway, so Dan setting up the drums, it was like three hours long. I was watching them. I was like, holy shit. And then literally the rest of them in like five minutes recorded the parts, yeah. you know, you yeah. know, Greg banged out the guitar and did, did the vocals and, and uh, Ryan's just, I mean, he can phone in like these amazing performances. He's like, yeah, you know, the savant guitar player, and then obviously Byers is is a genius yeah. in his own right. But um, yeah. So I, I was I, I I didn't really have any concept of how important to the whole process the drums were. Yes. And uh, but he just went in and knocked it out quickly, and it was it was pretty rad. It's just I love uh, you know Greg's or Wolfface is um you know I'll let you do it because he can he, he can. You're his bigger brother. I, I, I'm always worried about outing him. So oh oh yeah. Well, <laughs> he may be outed here, but yeah. whatever. Uh, the the um, uh, the thing about it, it's like they're they're fundamentally pop songs, you know, like and they're good songs. And, and when you're playing drums with that kind of music, like you don't want to get in the way of the song, right? You uh -huh. want you want to like convey what it is the the song is trying to convey without somebody really necessarily thinking, oh. You know, the drummer, you know, felt a need to have a fill here, you know, right. or, or whatever it is. 
and that's that's really true for all their songs. Like, yeah. so the, it, it's a way to me of uh, you know knowing you know knowing what not to play, and that's an overused trite thing to say. But really, I think it's really important for drums, particularly when you're playing pop music. You know what I mean? It's got you've got to not interfere with what what's trying to be done. Yeah. There's there's definitely a and this 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 kind of has popped its head out in a, in a number of different ways in my life uh, lately. Uh, the, the concept of editing or curating, whether it's your life, whether it's your possessions, and even an economy of speech, which a podcast is probably not the, the best place to have a have a discussion on the brevity of speech. But this is, I was just talking with Greg about this yesterday, these telephone consults that I'm on. And I was like, I was like, how many times do you get interrupted? How many times do you get asked a question that you don't, you aren't given a chance to answer? Or how much time are you, is there just this filibuster of information? And I have in my personal life, and probably not the best thing for people who want to be around me, but how little can I say to get my point across? Like how, how, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's what you're talking about with the music is like knowing, knowing what isn't, isn't important and what is important yeah. to kind of get to your goal. I, right. I think that's a, I, I think that's, there's something uh, appealing of that concept and its application in all aspects of life for me. I strive for that. Right. Yeah. And, and I think as lawyers, right, that's what you're always trying to work on. You know, you're a filter. You know, I tell people all the time, my clients, it's like, you know, you literally there's literally an infinite amount of information that you could give me about your life, about your kids or that sort of stuff. And it's like it's my job to filter all of that down. And I try to tell people typically, I was like, you should be able to summarize your problem in one to two sentences. Like, try it right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But, but it's when people and some people can do that and some people can't do that. You know, you've represented people, you know, you prep them for a deposition or something and like, hey, look. You know, when you ask this question, you know, think about this, answer it a certain way, that sort of stuff. And you can do that like all day with these people. And they'll never be able to do sure. it. But yeah. not, that's not true for everybody. It's just the way people's minds are. So, you know, having to like, yeah, do these Zoom hearings online or whatever, where you might have 45 seconds to say something. Yeah. I had a CMC yesterday, right? And it was one of these um, Hillsborough CMCs where um, everybody who's set for the CMC is in this Zoom meeting, right? So there's got to be 20 people in this meeting just waiting. You know, sure. some people don't know how to mute their, their mics mute. or yeah. whatever, you know, so you deal with all this stuff. And then when it's your turn, the judge is exhausted having to deal with all of those problems right. already. So you think, you know, I better be able to tell her what where we're at in three or four sentences. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if she wants... Uh, to go from there and elaborate on any one of those things, that's cool. But I, that's where I really, I try to take a lot of pride in that, you know, and I try to tell my clients like, like, you know, that's why you have me is so that, you know, yeah, you've just told me 90 different things, but for this hearing next week, we're going to talk about three things. Right. Yeah. Because I know the judge won't have time or isn't interested for purposes of that stuff. And, and certainly I try to, apply those skills into in everyday. I mean, you know, we're, we're being bombarded by noise uh, in, in all forms, you know, with, 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 you know, social media, the, the large, you know, major media and all that sort of stuff. And the ability to communicate efficiently and honestly and earnestly. Right. You know, I, I mean, another thing too, is emotional intelligence. Right. This is another concept for me that, has really been a, a big uh, something that's drawn me to 
picking it apart and thinking what it means. And uh, in the type of law that we practice, a a immature or a not fully uh, developed emotional intelligence is the death knell of a marriage. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you're looking to keep score, if you're looking for revenge, if you're looking to, you know, these types of things that a lot of couples do to each other, especially the ones that find their way into our offices. Yeah. It's this undeveloped emotional intelligence to say, what's the bigger picture here? You know, you know, I, I, like I'll see what clients get upset about, you know, I'll come home and, you know, maybe my wife will be in a mood or it's the ability to say she just took care of two kids during COVID taught them virtual schooling, got them lunch. She hasn't had five seconds to go to the bathroom. Right. So maybe she's not upset at me. Maybe totally. she's just exhausted from the day that she had. So don't take it personally, just yeah. whatever. And that's missing a lot in the world. No question. Uh, it's missing a lot in political discourse. It's missing a lot in 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 the people that are holding office. Yeah. You know, there's such this lizard brain that we've all got. And I'm and I'm guilty of it too. Yeah. But you know, just kind of what do they say? You're 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 listening to respond or you're waiting to respond. You're not listening, you're waiting to respond, or something like yeah. that. You know, these are the types of things that when I if I'm if I'm drawing lines between the similarities of my clients who find their way into my office in a divorce, these are the things that I see. I couldn't and so that emotional intelligence coupled with how it impacts communication, I just think is so key in every aspect of life. It's empathy, right? It, empathy. So so and like empathy is a quality that uh, you really have to reach a certain level of maturity to to understand and and make a priority. You know, I mean, you know, uh, you know, we have memes today. You know, on social media, there's a meme for everything. You know, and and people are so used to, um, you know, instant gratification. You know, if you want to, you know, you get some information or whatever, you can get it. You know, but there, there's 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 so little pa- people have so little patience to slow down and think about, all right, well, is there any level of, you know, legitimacy to this opposing viewpoint? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And and even though I don't, it's like an all or nothing type of thing. And there's also like this weird thing, at least in my opinion, where, you know, people have a need to um, uh, have other people see them as being aligned with, uh, with the way they think, you know what I mean? Where, where, I'm probably guilty of all this, by well, the way. Look, look. <laughs> I'm just saying. I probably you're, you're, am too. You're, you're, you're know setting I mean? off a lot of alarms. I, on I, that, yeah. I probably am yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and but 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 my point is, I try to I try to just be conscious of it. You know? I'm always I, my and this is not good. I don't think, but I am always kind of a mirror of what I'm faced with. Yeah. So if I have someone who's coming at me with a considerate point of view and willing to kind of have a nuanced conversation about yeah. the gray areas yeah. of policy or whatever. I'm more than happy to engage at it. Conversely, if somebody comes at me with snowflake, lib tart, echo chamber group think, then I, I'm going to meet it with equal and opposite. You know, so Rex Blake and I never have yeah. a uh, right an intelligent <laughs> conversation about politics. It, right. it pretty much devolves into right. name calling almost right. immediately. But um, right. Well, so not that I would necessarily want to end here, but it, it just kind of popped into my head as we were talking about it. What is it do you think that your parents did either intentionally or unintentionally that gave you that empathy or that ability to have some modicum of emotional intelligence? Um, 
just think it's an intact family? Do you think it's a family that showed love? Do you think it's a, cause I'm interested in this for two reasons. One is what made me, me. And also what can I do for my children to, you know, that's, have them be. Yeah, man, that's the goal, right? I right. try, I try to like instill that on my kids too, you know, and you hope that they pick up some of that. So to answer your question, like all the things you just said, I think are true, but what I think really it is more than anything is, is respect for other people. You yeah. know, when I grew up, it wasn't like I was I was inundated every day with my parents talking, oh, these people are bad. I can't believe, the, you know, this group of people, whatever it was, you know, was doing this or whatever or, or you know. Right. There, I never really, really – they always – both my parents always were respectful of others even if they – Disagreed, disagreed with, them, yeah. with something about them and and they didn't feel the need to you know fix other people you know what i mean or go out there and and convince them that you know they're wrong and my parents were right or whatever so i grew up in an environment where um there was a lot of respect i had some my grandma my dad's mom who passed away um herself uh 2001 so she's she's been gone a long time now but she uh, she was married to my my dad's dad, obviously, who passed away in 1958. Well, she never remarried. Right. And she raised those three kids by herself. Wow. And uh, she became mayor of Kissimmee back in like the early 60s. And uh, she was uh, one of, you know, a very successful female lawyer, yeah. you know, in the 50s and 60s. Sounds like an amazing person. Amazing. Yeah. And um, uh, I was exposed to that, that type of a person. She's very strong. But she was... If, if she sat next to you on an airplane, right, she'd know your whole life story by the time you got off the airplane. You, if you wouldn't sit with her, right, but she sat next to a stranger. How are you? You know, I'm Jess. What's your name? Where were you born? She'd just do that. And people would be like, what? You know what I mean? It's amazing. So so thank you for saying that. A couple things that that's brought up is number one is I'm always amazed in conversations with people like – I will almost see how long I can go in a conversation without talking about myself. I like, love it. Yeah. You know, just I, I'm asking, asking, asking. And these people, you know, you'll say something and they'll immediately respond with a 30 minute conversation about what's going on in their life. And not that I, I, I do or I don't want to hear it, but, you know, I just don't you find. And, and I, that's kind of what happens with these podcasts is. When have you had an hour to talk about yourself that you can think of? Right. You know, right. there's something cathartic about it. It's, and for it's, me, it's yeah. a it's an experience that's enjoyable because I learn things, you know, but um, I, people people don't get that about conversation anymore. Right. And, you know, I talk about this with this podcast. Who have you talked to for an hour about anything? Yeah. In the past five years, 10 yeah. years yeah. since the advent of cell phones. That's right. And how much of it is more than just like, where do you want to eat? You know, what are we doing tomorrow? Like. That's the depth of 90% of the communication right. that you have. You're right. So there's something uh, medicinal or cathartic or, uh, you know, about kind of, you know, learning, take, taking from someone about themselves and them having the ability to give it to you. Um, but this this was the other point. I'm going to blow some smoke up your skirt on this one. Yeah, man. Um, what impresses me, and, and, and I think meeting your dad will, will only cement this further about you and Greg, is – you guys are highly intelligent. You guys are very talented in a number of different ways, but zero ego. 
Oh, and I you. love that. <laughs> and I you. love that so much. I mean, you know, Greg, you know, Greg's trying to get back into skateboarding now. So every morning, he, <laughs> did, did you see the video from this morning? No, not yet. Oh, he's, he's dropping in now yeah, on like six him. foot ramps. Yeah. And I was like, that's scary as hell. And yeah. he's showing me his ollies and he's working on all this other stuff. And I mean, dude's 40 years old. Right. I mean, a, a broken arm is, is yeah. huge these days, yeah. but, uh, you know, but his guitar playing, his songwriting, the, the, the action figures he builds and the, the drones and all this other shit. And then, you know, you with the computers and the guitar, you know, and not to mention you, you know, I don't know if you've surpassed your father, but you know, the one case that I had with you, I mean, you are a high end family law attorney. You're not some, you're not some jobber, you you know, (laughs) that just kind of, you know, knows the the buzzwords and hopes the mediator gets the case past the finish line. Well, thank you very much. So, you know, but you guys are just gracious and, and humble and no ego, despite having a lot to be, have that, you know, way about you. So that's very kind of you to say, man. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's a process, man. I, I like, I, I, that's how I want to be thought of by people. You know, I want to be humble, but also be, um, you know, the reason that I, that, you know, we practice law really is to help people, man. And like, you know, and now and then you can't always do it. Right. Right. But like when you can, it's like, you got to take that little moment to yourself and say, Hey, you know what you did today, like meant something to sure. like somebody or it doesn't kids. feel like it was family law a lot. No. You so know, that's why I got to take the moment. You got to really, when it happens and you know that it happens, I literally, yeah, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll say, Hey, you know, Tuesday, whatever the day was, you did this good thing because the last two weeks, Didn't it's been nothing like but it. bad news all the time, right. which is what you deal with. But you, you can push through and have those moments. And that's that to me, as I get older, um, uh, you know, helping people or making someone else happy in some some way, as opposed to just making yourself happy is is the ultimate gratification. Do you, you think know? law is going to be your deal until the end or do you have aspirations for the bench or politics or a different life altogether? <sighs> yeah. So so, you know, I've long thought about the bench, you know. But uh, it just hasn't felt like the right time yet for me. Yeah. And and I feel like I'll know when it's the right time. You know what I mean? I, and I can't really explain it better than that. About six or seven years ago, I got real close, man. I filled out an application for one of the seats and, and this or that. And, and you know, I know a bunch of judges just like you do. And, you know, and some of them, you know, text me something. Oh, we, you know, now's your time. You know, and I'm like, ah, not quite ready yet, man. You know, uh, if so- Brett Semitovich is ready, you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm sorry. That's just my dig at Brett. I've heard. I, I don't yeah. know him personally. I've heard nothing but great things about him. So well, he uh, and Jason Bard also are are in of the uh, Rex Blake ilk. So ah, I, I butt heads with these people yeah. constantly on yeah. social media. But uh, yeah. Well, if you do it, uh, I, I don't live over there, but I'm happy to, you know, hold signs Thank and you, dude. have you on that. and all this other stuff. But I think you'd be great. I <laughs> think, think you'd you, be amazing. That's I mean, amazing. both you. both as a prosecutor and then as a family law. I mean, you've got definitely the breadth and the depth of experience. And don't wait for your, you know, make sure your dad's still around and healthy when you do it. Yeah. You're going to need that, those old school strings. <laughs> uh, there was a, I, before, before we had children, I wanted my wife to do it over here because oh, yeah. my wife's family are royalty in the brand in Plant City. You know, she cheered for the Bucks, her sister cheered for the Bucks, her dad is an orthodontist for practically everybody. They're all orthodontist dentists and all this other stuff. And they're friends with the Gonsmarts and the, all the, you know, they're all, they're all related to this Italian family. 
And I was like, I was like, you know, don't wait too long on this. Cause once all your, you know, the older generation is gone, you don't have that, you know, that weight behind you. You're that right. You would have otherwise. So. You're right. I enjoy what I'm doing now, man. And like, it's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy right now, you know, and I feel like I'll know. So we'll see. Looks we'll good. see, man. I'll leave you with this. And it's, it's, it's me more talking to your dad. Um, so I lost my mom in 2019 and I lost my dad in 2018. And it, you mentioned earlier having uh, your grandfather, your great grandfather's voice found. And it kills me that I didn't start doing this till after they passed, because one of the, my greatest regrets in the world is that I didn't get their voice saved and I didn't get to ask them questions for my kids to hear. I have a couple of voicemails on my cell phone and videos and stuff that I save, but if for no other reason than to just have that for you and for your kids and yeah. for everything else, that alone is a big enough reason sure, to do it. Sure. So uh get on his ass about it. Tell I'll him make it happen. All right, you can all right. count on it, man. Thank you so much, John, for coming over. It was a pleasure. I didn't give you a guitar to play, but maybe next time when you announce your Unless you want to. Well, no, no. Okay. I, all, right. all right. There's there's way too much pressure this right. moment for me right. to pick that up. Well, Jason it. Bangos <laughs> can play a U2 song for 10 minutes. Oh, really? What yeah. song did he pick? Oh, he's, it's not. It's an off-brand one. It's oh, not boy. It's not one of the bigger ones. He okay. said it and I forgot it. But you can, you're can. you welcome to listen to his podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll pull that up. Anyway, cool. Thank you so much for coming by. Hey, thanks pleasure. for having me, Josh. All right. Been real, man. Yeah.